Welcome to Afternoon at the Museum, a production of iRedTech Corp. Welcome with the flourish of my paper to Afternoon <laughs> at the Museum. I'm Janine Stanley, the Explorer Community Manager here at IRA. And today I have with me Mr. Ryan Bishop, our YouTube guru. Hello, everyone. Hope everyone's doing well today. And we also have Agent Julia with us today. Uh... And unfortunately, our regular host, Stephanie Watts, is homesick today. So we hope that she is feeling much better soon and can join us again for our next episode. But today, we are going to do part two of our visit to the American Jazz Museum. Now, last time, we had a great time with everybody who was with us visiting the museum with Caleb and Stephanie. So this time, we're going to take a look. We kind of broke this down because the museum has a couple segments for their AJM at Home section. And today, we are looking at the digital collection. So, Julia, let's just jump in here and see what we've got. All right. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Okay. And here we are. So... I am on the American Jazz Museum at Home section of their website, which is quite extensive. And some of the things they have here for anybody who wasn't tuned into the, the last episode that we did from this museum is there's printable coloring pages. There's a virtual tour that has full 360 views of all the rooms in the museum. There's some playlists that they put together. Uh, there's activity sheets. But what we are going to be focusing on today is what they call their digital exhibit. And it says that it is celebrating 20 years of the American Jazz Museum. So I'm going to go ahead and click into it here, and we'll just sort of scroll through and describe some pictures and read some information and hopefully learn a lot. Awesome. I had no idea that this museum had only been around for 20 years. Wow. Yeah, it's fairly new, but it's a pretty cool museum. So let's see what they've got going on. Yeah. The first page of this exhibit here says, The Legacy Plays On, 20 Years of the American Jazz Museum. The Legacy Plays On reincarnates the American Jazz Museum's inaugural theme in commemoration of 20 years serving the local and national communities through research, exhibition, education, and performance. Explore the history of the American Jazz Museum in this celebratory exhibition. And there's a photo here of the front of the American Jazz Museum and the um, New York League Baseball Museum as well at the corner of 18th and Vine in Kansas City. And this museum at the front entrance has uh, cutout sculptures that um, show various African-American figures above the door. And there's a saxophonist and some baseball players, a little girl waving a flag. And it's just a really cool entrance with this big visual above the door. And the next page is a historic map of the 18th and Vine neighborhood. And you can see all of the buildings standing up in 3D. And there's a ton of little numbers on this map that have corresponding information that unfortunately I can't really make out from the visual online. I love 3D maps. I am, I'll tell you what, I'll go to Kansas City just to see this museum. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now we're going to dive into this exhibition about the history of the museum here. 
It says, the American Jazz Museum emerged through the revitalization of Kansas City's historic 18th and Vine District. Community efforts, citywide investments, and charitable support rekindled the musical legacy of the early 20th century. For 20 years, the American Jazz Museum has served the community, the nation, and the world as a portal to America's most significant musical contribution to global culture, jazz. The opening of the American Jazz Museum marked an important moment in a 50-year conversation about how best to preserve and build on the legacy of the local community. Due to national discriminatory policies and local residential segregation, African-Americans in Kansas City built a thriving and dynamic community centered around 18th and Vine. Jazz, particularly the unique Kansas City swing, remains the sound of the community and one of its gifts to the world. And there's a page here that is a photograph of, it looks like a bill for an evening at the museum here. I'm looking for a date on it. Let's see. I don't see it right off the bat. It says Legends Live Gala at 18th and Vine at the American Jazz Museum. And it looks like an invitation to this Legends Live event that says you're cordially invited to the gala grand opening of the 18th and Vine Museum. So this is from 20 years ago when they opened. On Friday, September 5th, 1997, 18th and Vine District in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Billy D. Williams was the master of ceremonies. Wow. <laughs> and there was cocktails, dinner, and jazz from 6 to midnight. And then a show at 7 p.m. featuring the George... Duke Orchestra, Milt Jackson and Ellis Marcellus, Al Juro, Jay McShane and Diane Reeves, and then another show at 9.30 with Tony Bennett, the George Duke Orchestra, Kevin Mahoney, or Kevin Mahogany rather, the Pat Metheny Trio with Tommy Ruskin and Milt Abel, David Sanborn and Claude Fiddler-Williams. So that was their opening night. And then there's some information about that opening night here, too, that says on September 5th, 1997, the debut event hosted by Billy D. Williams highlighted the best of national and regional talent, including Diane Reeves, Al Jarreau, Harry Belafonte, and George Duke as band leader. Headliners also included Tony Bennett, Claude Fiddler-Williams, Jay McShann, and Pat Metheny. The inaugural celebration lasted three days, while the opening gala on Friday night, or Yes, while the opening gala on Friday night at the Gem Theater was ticketed event, a large screen was erected on 18th Street where the ceremony was displayed live and for free to the local community. The following days were filled with seminar discussions featuring local talent, thrilling audiences, as they were able to engage with local musicians all weekend. 20 years later in 2017, as the, as the city of Kansas City renews its commitment to enhancing the historic district, the future of the American Jazz Museum and the 18th and Vine Redevelopment Project is bright. And the next section of this exhibit is called Stories of 18th and Vine. And there's a photograph here from, it doesn't say whose photograph it is, but it's a black and white snapshot of 18th and Vine with the skyline of Kansas City in the background. So you see the sort of row storefronts in the foreground of 18th and Vine, and then the full skyline of Kansas City is visible in the background. And the cars parked in front of the buildings look like they're probably from the 50s, I guess. And there's a little soda shop next door you can see. <laughs> uh, the American Jazz Museum is located in the hits historic 18th and Vine district. The neighborhood surrounding 18th and Vine was cultivated during the era of national segregation. By the beginning of the 20th century, this area had become a city within a city, producing the necessities and amenities for daily life. 
In addition to a thriving business district owned and operated by African-American professionals, the neighborhood included retail stores, churches, schools, recreational facilities, and a rich entertainment scene. And here's a photo. It says dapperly dressed man in front of the hotel um, by David Wyatt. And there is a young African-American man wearing a two-piece suit and a tie and a bowler hat or a derby hat perhaps standing in front of that soda shop that I saw in the previous photo and absolutely grinning at the camera on 18th and Biden here. Cool. Here's a photograph of Mary Lou, Mary Lou Williams seated at the piano and it is signed by Mary Lou. It says it's an unknown photographer. And this is a photograph of Mary Lou Williams who is an African-American woman wearing a it looks like a um, embroidered dress seated at a grand piano with her hair piled atop her head, looking very elegant. And she is playing the piano for an audience that is seated behind her at little cocktail tables. And they have their drinks in front of them and they're smoking cigarettes at the table. And then there's a standing audience behind them. And they're all looking at Mary Lou as she plays. You can tell how old that photo is with everybody smoking in it. <laughs> yeah, it's black and white, and everybody's dressed very elegantly for the night out. It looks like there's some soldiers in uniform in the photo as well, so it's probably uh, 40s, 50s, something like that. Wow. Mary Lou Williams was a piano prodigy, arranger, and composer. She started playing professionally at age 12. Mary Lou came to Kansas City when her first husband accepted an offer to play with the Clouds of Joy. Mary Lou served as their arranger and composer and played with them. She and her husband later divorced and Williams found success in a piano career. Mary Lou Williams composed for jazz luminaries Duke Ellington and Benny Goodman and mentored Bud Powell and Thelonious Monk. In 1952, she moved to Europe for two years. She recorded with six different bands and performed in clubs all over the continent, including Chez Mary Lou, a club in France named after her. All right, so this is a page about something called the Call Newspaper, which is a newspaper that was in this neighborhood. It says the Call Newspaper, owned and operated by Chester Franklin, moved to its current location at 1715 East 18th Street in 1922. In addition to covering national and local news, the Call covers the significant events of the African-American community in Kansas City, including graduations, marriages, and deaths events that were not covered by other Kansas City newspapers when the call originally started. And there's a photograph here from 1935 of the call's staff seated outside their offices at 1715 18th Street. And it is entirely a black staff and they're seated in three rows. It looks like about probably 50 total people and they're all wearing suits and jackets and they have their hair all done up. It's a black and white photograph and they're all looking at the camera, looking fairly serious uh, on the sidewalk outside That's of their big, offices. Big newspaper staff. Yeah, it looks fairly large. And I guess they filled that void for the Black community in this neighborhood that wasn't getting covered by the white papers. Mm-hmm. I know uh, here in Columbus we have, and it, it may still be around, I think it is, a Black newspaper called the Colin Post. And I'm not sure if the Colin Post is, is a more national thing in different cities, but um, I know it's been around here for quite a while. That's very cool. Um, let's see. Okay, so the next page is another uh, local business here in this neighborhood. It says Kansas City's Piccadilly Room. This two-page menu for Kansas City's Piccadilly Room inside the Pickwick Hotel 
Once located at 10th and McGee, includes pricing on food and beverages. Adjusted for inflation, the cheeseburger sandwich with French fried potatoes will set you back only $5.22, while the strawberry shortcake with cream is only $3.48. The best value may be the compartment plate lunches, as these entrees also include a hard roll, desserts, and drinks. There's a whole luncheon menu here from the Pickwick Club. And I know I have heard of that Piccadilly Room somewhere. There's a short story out there somewhere that's based in the Piccadilly Room. Oh, okay. I'll have to look that up when we're done here today. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. All right. Here we've got a photo of a jam session. Ooh. And it says, this jam session features Count Basie on piano, Claiborne Frog Graves on saxophone, drummer Samuel Baby Lovett, and Jimmy Hill on guitar. In front of the band is a tip jar known as the Kitty. Kitties were usually porcelain jars in the shape of a cat. Many bands were creative with the design of their kitties to better appeal to customers. For example, some kitties blinked their eyes when customers deposited money. Musicians had tactics to milk the kitty or pander to the audience for tips. Playing the favorite song of a wealthy patron or serenading customers at their table were popular strategies. Did you know that that's where the kitty comes from? I did not. I had never heard that before. That's so funny. <laughs> so this is a black and white. Yeah, I bet there are. This is a black and white photograph once again of six men on stage. They're all black men. And you can see Count Basie seated at the piano and he's smiling at uh, Frog Graves, who's on the saxophone. They're looking at each other and they're both smiling. And it's just a little tiny stage. Like everybody's bunched in very tightly and their instruments are all crammed in, but they look like they're having a great time. And they do indeed have a kitty here at the front of the stage. <laughs> Don't tell my cats that. <laughs> Here's another photograph from, it's in front of the Musicians Association building locally in Kansas City. It says this photograph shows members of the Negro Musicians Association gathered for the annual Battle of the Bands. Ooh. The event took place at Paseo Hall and ended with a parade to the front of the Union Building. The participating bands pictured here were Benny Martin and George Lee's orchestras, Elmer Payne's Music Masters, Paul Banks' Rhythm Aces, Andy Kirk's 12 Clouds of Joy, Jack Allen's Troubadours, Julius Banks' Red Devils, and Bill Little and his Little Bills. Today, the Mutual Musicians Foundation operates in this building. The foundation continues to hope jam host jam sessions and events for musicians. And this one's from May 4th, 1930. And there's all kinds of musicians all lined up in their suits in front of the building that says Musicians Association Building up on it. Oh, wow. Okay, so now we're moving on to a new section of this exhibit. It looks like it says Celebrating Art and History, Notable Exhibitions at the American Jazz Museum. This should be interesting because last week we looked at a lot of album covers. So I'm betting there's going to be some album cover art here too. I think you may just be right. Let's see. This first section looks like it is about the art collection in the American Jazz Museum. It says the American Jazz Museum's art collection includes the work of nationally renowned visual artists working in a variety of media including painting, photography, and sculpture, with particular focus on pieces that celebrate jazz, jazz culture, and the African-American experience. Among the museum's pieces are works of art, are works of muralists Selena O'Neill and Jose Faust, photographer Robert Hale, and print artist Curly Raven Holton. 
And they have some examples here. The first is a poster for an invitation to the State of the Blues exhibit in 1999. And it's a photograph of a white brick wall with just a little bit of a jazz musician superimposed over it in a gold sepia tone. You can see his nose and mouth and the outline of his shirt and then his where his sunglasses would be and his cheekbone and his tie are negative space. So you can see that white wall through them. It's very cool. And let's see how much we have here. It looks like they had temporary exhibitions hosted by American Jazz Museum provide the community and the broader public in-depth opportunities to engage with jazz, as well as community life and history. The American Jazz Museum has also engaged innovative visiting curators to create exhibitions for the museum's audience. Jazz encompasses more than sound and movement. The ideals, rhythms, and emotions of jazz music can be embodied in paint, cloth, clay, and imagery resulting in a number of artistic installations being featured in exhibitions at the American Jazz Museum. So now this part should be cool. It's called Jewels of the Collection. And we're gonna go through some of the artifacts that they have in the museum here, other than uh, music stuff. <laughs> how, the, how the artists express what you just read about. All right, so first up, there is a... Let's see, Downbeat Magazine from May 1st, 1940. It says, musicians walk out on leaders up top. And the photograph on the front is a four-piece band. And <laughs> it's, it's seated in the foreground as a woman with a huge, it looks like bass saxophone. And it's, it goes all the way up from her mouth almost to the floor, just an absolutely massive saxophone. And she's blowing on that. And then there's another man in the background playing his guitar with a violin bow. And another man blowing on what looks like a trombone with this crazy expression on his face. And then a fourth band in the background with a saxophone. So this seems to be a bit of a gag photo, I think. <laughs> and it says, this is volume seven, number nine from May 1st, 1940 of Downbeat Magazine. The American Jazz Museum preserves rare and one-of-a-kind objects, documents, photographs, sheet music, film, sound recordings, and visual art pieces. These artifacts inform our understanding of jazz as a historical and living art form and serves as a testament to the community's investment in the American Jazz Museum. Items in the collections provide researchers, educators, and the national community access to the social, cultural, and artistic history of the jazz experience. Next up, we have a photograph of John H. Baker, who was a filmmaker. And this is a black and white photo of him seated, holding a roll of film in his lap. And then he has the actual uh, stretched out roll of film in his hands and he's looking through it in the light as if he's looking at the images on the film there. It says the American Jazz Museum is home to the John H. Baker Film Collection. The collection is comprised of over 2000 rolls of reels of film, as well as photographs and other materials. It provides an astounding visual record of jazz performances. The city of Kansas City purchased the collection of Ohio attorney John Baker in 1984, demonstrating its investment in maintaining the city's role as a major jazz hub. Um, next up is a graphophone, which appears to be a small wooden box with a crank on one end. And then there is a metal portion uh, bolted to the top of the wooden box. And apparently this has to do with Alexander Graham Bell. Let's see. 
The Volta Laboratory, established by Alexander Graham Bell, invented the graphophone in 1885. It was an improved version of Thomas Edison's 1877 phonograph. Both of these machines recorded sound by etching cuts into a rotating cylinder. The earlier phonograph recorded by making vertical etchings on cast iron. The graphophone, on the other hand, etched laterally on a wax-covered cylinder. The wax was easier to handle, it produced better sound quality, and allowed for longer recordings. And here's one of the instruments that they have in their collection. It is Bill Clinton's practice saxophone. Oh, wow. It's a shiny gold saxophone. It looks like it's been kept in amazing condition. It says, President Bill Clinton started playing saxophone as a student. He played in his high school's jazz ensemble and won first chair in Arkansas's all-state band. One of the most memorable moments from his presidential campaign in 1992 was an appearance on the Arsenio Hall show in which he played his tenor saxophone. This practice saxophone bears the president's signature on its bell. I remember that from when I was a little kid, my parents watching. (laughs) (laughs) And another instrument they have in their collection is a baby Lovett's bongo drums. And this is a set of two drums that are, made of uh, different colored wood panels around the sides and then the top is made of skin and they look very well worn. And it says Samuel Baby Lovett was one of the earliest Kansas City jazz drummers. He played in a variety of groups, including the Eblon Eblon Theater Orchestra in 1925, Thamon Hayes Casey Rockets in 1932, and Woody Walters Swing Unit in 1938. The Basie Band and his own Baby Lovett Orchestra He performed with George and Julia Lee for many years, including 1949, when he accompanied Julia at the Truman White House. Wow. And their next object here is John Coltrane's dog tags. In addition to his lasting contributions to jazz, saxophonist John Coltrane served in the United States Navy during World War II, remaining in the service from 1945 to 1946. While stationed in Hawaii, Coltrane sat in with the all-white medley ma- melody masters. These dog tags, acquired at auction in 2005 by the American Jazz Museum, were used by Coltrane during his Navy service. And this is a set of round silver dog tags that you can see they say John William Coltrane and his um, numbers and unit. That had to have been quite a historic event because the military was still segregated at that mm-hmm. point. And yeah. Just being able to play with those folks just rarely happened. Right. Yeah. That was an amazing jam session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. You got John Coltrane to sit in for you. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have a sculpture of Miles Davis. It's called Miles by Ed White. And this sculpture, let me see if it says what it's made of. It does not. Okay. It looks to me like the base is made of marble. And then the sculpture itself is probably bronze and some of it's painted. And this is a sculpture of Miles Davis. And he has his trumpet in his hands. And he has long hair. And that's part of the bronze section. And then there are bright gold sunglasses seated on his face. And his trumpet is also painted, I believe, gold, or it might be actually a gold sculpture. And his hands are pressing the keys and holding the trumpet and he's facing down towards the floor, just blowing straight down towards the floor. And around his neck is a 
a scarf or shawl of some kind that is orange with gold flecks in it. And he's got a big cross around his neck and the head and hands are disembodied. So it's just the front of his garment, his head and his hands standing alone. So the focus is really him playing the trumpet here. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a sculpture by Ed Dwight. It says Ed Dwight is a native of Kansas City, Kansas. He pursued a career as a sculptor after serving in the United States Air Force. Dwight's art depicts notable African-American figures and leaders of civil rights. This sculpture of Miles Davis comes from his series, Jazz, an American Art Form. The series expressed the evolution of jazz through depictions of prominent musicians in jazz history. Oh, well, I wonder if you could do like a white glove tour of that if you went to the museum, if you could actually get to feel those sculptures. sculptures. And find an answer to that question. Yeah, possibly not depending on the delicacy of the sculpture, but um, been on a number of white glove tours like that. And uh, it really, oh my gosh, definitely brings things to life. Yeah, for sure, especially for um, blind and low vision audiences, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see where we should go next here. We'll keep scrolling. I'm going to skip over a couple of things because I do think we might go them on time with all of this content. So yeah, I was going to say there is so much here. Yeah, they have an incredible amount of online content. I definitely recommend it to anybody getting in here and digging <laughs> deeper if you have time. Absolutely. And while you are looking, I will let folks know that through the end of 2020, you can actually have some time with an IRA agent to do just that, digging around on websites from the Association of African American Museums, of which the Jazz Museum is a member. So come on in here and uh, browse to your heart's delight, um, including the gift shop. Yes, and I say this every time, but it's our uh, absolute dream call when we get to do stuff like this. So do not hesitate to use that permission (laughs) if you feel like it. Oh, yeah. And um, I just wish I had more time to, you know, visit museums like this um, with agents because it's just, uh, and I love museums anyway. I think I've told everybody I grew up in a small museum that my parents managed. And uh, so this is all like, oh. You know, it's amazing to me how the layout of these places and now moving the content more online because so many places are not open at this point, but we are encountering them online. Yeah, this museum in particular has done an incredible job of that as well. All right, let's dive back into these artifacts here. So I have found a very cool headdress that is made entirely of feathers, it looks like, and it belonged to a woman named... Betty Abel Cloach, C-L-O-C-H-E. And this headdress is the top portion that would actually cap her head is made of these vibrantly, brightly colored feathers. I can see blue and red, black and gold and yellow all overlapping very tightly and forming sort of like a quilted pattern on the top. And then the brim of this hat is made of long, luxurious looking goldish orange sort of copper colored feathers that look almost like uh, if she had bangs sitting on her head naturally, but it's feathers. And a little bit of information about her. It says from the early 1950s until her death at age 49 in 1977, Betty Miller was one of the premier jazz performers and musicians in Kansas City. 
She earned bachelor's and master's degrees in vocal music from Lincoln University in Jefferson City before moving to Philadelphia to continue her voice training and mastery of the piano. In 1953, Miller moved to Kansas City where she met her husband, Milt Gable, while they were performing at the Horseshoe Lounge at 32nd and Troost. The two would continue playing, touring, and recording together for the next 20 plus years. This hat worn by Betty Miller was acquired in 2007 by the American Jazz Museum as part of the Women in Jazz Collecting Initiative. Really excited about the dress that uh, Caleb described last week that Ella Fitzgerald wore. <laughs> yes. Silver and copper dress. Oh, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, one more thing in this section. It says this is the 1987's President's Award, which was awarded to Ella Fitzgerald. And the trophy itself is a kneeling human figure holding the world up above its head, a globe on top of a little pedestal. And the image awards given by the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People honor people of color for contributions in film, television, music, and literature. The organization presented vocalist and jazz legend Ella Fitzgerald with this President's Award at the 1987 Image Awards. The Smithsonian Institute's National Museum of American History gifted the award to the American Jazz Museum in 1999. And now we're moving into a whole new section here that's called Advancing the Art Form, Jamming Up the Jam and Festival Traditions. First page has a photograph of what looks like a lineup from tonight's program at Jazz Gems in 2005. And it's signed by all of the musicians and presenters it looks like from that evening. So let's find out more about their events. <clears throat> uh, the American Jazz Museum's Jam It at the Gem concert series has been featuring top jazz musicians from across the world. Saxophonist Jackie McLean opened the first Jammin' at the Gem concert series on September 27th, 1997. And there's a program here from Jammin' at, Jammin at the Gem 97, so the first one. And it has a fall lineup with Jackie McLean and Sun Ra Orchestra, uh, Duke Ellington Youth Project, among some other presenters from that year. And there's another program here from the 2007-2008 season. And this just gives you kind of an idea of what the program looks like. It's a front photograph that is the, um, the entrance to the gem, which is their little concert hall there. It has a big neon sign above the door that says gem and neon lights all above the doors, which are glass and it's all just glowing red. And it looks very exciting for the evening. And it says, over the years, the concert series included Patty Austin, Betty Cardle, Lionel Hampton, Herbie Hancock, Marion McPartland, Trudy Pitts, and Randy Weston, among many others. The concert series was renamed Jazz at the Jam in 2016. So, Ryan, I don't know if we have any folks out on YouTube with any comments. Um, we don't have Wayne on Zoom today. Wayne, we miss you. <laughs> Wayne, uh, Wayne is one of our jazz musicians who's an explorer, Wayne Percy, and uh, we got to hear his song, uh, The Explorer. Uh, we added that to the podcast last time around. So. Oh, very cool. I did not yeah. know. Let's check it out. Any questions or comments? Should I keep going? Yeah, let's keep going. Okay. 
This is a little bit of information about their jazz festivals. It says jazz festivals are an established tradition of the American Jazz Museum and its role within the community. These festivals introduce jazz to new audiences and reestablish connections with musical genre supporters. The American Jazz Museum has created many exciting festivals in Kansas City over the past 20 years. The jazz music festivals have gone by different names. Rhythm and Ribs, Kansas City's 18th and Vine Jazz and Blues Festival, the Kansas City Jazz and Heritage Festival. But the result has always been the same, uniting national and regional jazz musicians with the local community. There's a poster here for the seventh annual Rhythm and Ribs from 2011, which features a uh, trumpeter standing uh, tall and proud in the foreground with his trumpet up in the air, ready to be placed to his lips. And it says the 2011 Rhythm and Ribs Jazz and Blues Festival. It looks like that's actually the front of the program from that event. And for nearly a decade, the American Jazz Museum participated in the Duke Ellington Youth Project. The project launched in 1990 is a collaboration between the National Museum of American History and public schools in Washington, DC. It introduced students to the life and work of Edward Kennedy, Duke Ellington. And there's a visual here for that event as well. It says Duke Ellington Youth Festival Centennial Celebration on April 21st, 1999. Happy 100th birthday, Duke. There's a photograph of Duke Ellington in a top hat. And it looks like that he was born uh, April 29th, 1899. So this was in celebration of his, what would have been his 100th birthday. In fact, he died in 1974. Mm. And here is some more information about the Duke Ellington Youth Project. It says in partnership with the American Jazz Museum in Kansas City, Missouri Public Schools, the program began locally during the 1997-1998 academic year. Each year, the program culminated in a festival that showcased student visual art, creative writing, and musical talent inspired by Duke Ellington. Oh, wow. I wonder if that's still going on. You know what? The next section is about community, community engagement. Oh, yeah. um, so <laughs> we may find out. And the visual for the opening of this section of the exhibit is a big poster that says, We Bop on the Vine Youth Festival. Over the last 20 years, the American Jazz Museum has been an active part of community life, offering an annual celebration to commemorate the life and work of Dr. Martin Luther King and hosting the local Kwanzaa celebration each year at the Gem Theater. And there's a program here for their jazz tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King. It has a photograph of King with his fingers folded under his chin looking like he's deep in thought. And this one looks like it featured the Lionel Hampton Orchestra and was part of the Jam and at the Gem series. Actually saw them in concert here in Columbus. Oh, very cool. Way back when. <laughs> and looks like they also have a women in jazz symposium and concert or did at one point this playbill or program rather is from 2001. And it uh, featured Mary, <clears throat> Mary Lou Williams, who we talked about the pianist earlier. She was seated at the piano in front of that little audience in the club with all the smokers. <laughs> and um, it says, programming at the American Jazz Museum gives audiences the opportunity to engage with jazz music in traditional and unique ways. Past programs include Jazz Moves Me, a senior exercise class, symposiums on Charlie Parker and women in jazz, the Jazz Speaker Series, 
First Friday street fairs and Stepping on the Vine, a First Friday dance class and party. So it sounds like they do quite a bit of community wow. engagement. Still, here's another poster for the, or a program for the um, Charlie Parker Symposium and related events from 1999. There's a photo of Charlie Parker playing a bright gold guitar on the front. Oh, not guitar, saxophone. Don't know why I called it a guitar. <laughs> not the same thing. I was thinking, wow, Charlie Parker played the guitar too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's Friday. <laughs> they, uh, here's some information about their uh, youth outreach. It says, education lies at the heart of the American Jazz Museum's mission. Through innovative programming and outreach activities, the American Jazz Museum increases knowledge of jazz as an art form and as a social and cultural trailblazer. They also have a series called the Jazz Storytelling Series. Ooh. It says, see Kansas City's own living jazz legends at the American Jazz Museum, tailored especially for preschoolers. And on this lineup from 2000 to 2001, they had Myra Taylor, Luckman Hamza, um, Genevieve Price, Wallace Jones and Marvin Jones, a whole bunch of people from the jazz community. It says, jazz storytelling or storytelling provides an opportunity for young children to explore the sounds and styles of jazz through interactive movement. The professional musicians use their experience and musical gifts to assist the young audience to communicate, connect, and collaborate through music. That's very cool. That would be fun to watch. Yeah, little kids in music are always yes. a fun mix. <laughs> Watching them discover, kind of. Yeah. Uh, the American Jazz Museum also has a rich history of supporting youth poetry. Current programs include Louder Than a Bomb, Kansas City, a slam poetry competition for local high school students, with the winning team securing a sponsored spot at the Brave New Voices International Youth Poetry Slam Festival. That is cool. Oh, what a great venue, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 20 years after its grand opening in 1997, the American Jazz Museum continues its mission to nurture and preserve jazz, America's art form. The museum's dedication to programming, exhibition, research, and performance ensures that the legacy of jazz continues to thrive in Kansas City and all over the world. That looks like it's actually the end of this exhibit card. So let's go back and see what else they have for online content here and um they also have the shop do we want to look at the mm -hmm. yeah let's see i'm thinking i'd like to see if they have the kitties in the gift shop <laughs> let's check out the gift shop yeah let's see what we've got there oh wow lots of stuff <laughs> okay <laughs> so the front page right off the bat you can see that they have of course all kinds of cds and um you know music for sale i like that and it appears they also have clothing and accessories, gifts and games, things for kids, music and DVDs, things that are exclusively sold at the AJM, Ooh. and books as well. Okay. So, Janine, I'm going to need you to be my guide here. Where do you want to start? Well, let's see the gifts exclusive to the AGM because, hey, okay. you know. <laughs> All right, awesome. So, they have a variety of objects here. They have some clothing, a um, I Heart Casey Jazz t-shirt that is navy with white block letters with a big red heart on it. Sort of like the I Heart New York shirts, mm -hmm. but it says Casey Jazz instead. There's a very comfy looking hoodie that's red 
And it says American Jazz Museum in very simple font on the front. There's a baseball style cap that says American Jazz Museum. It's black with white lettering. And also a beanie that's also black with white lettering with that same American Jazz Museum print on it. They have a uh, can koozie or cozy, whichever you prefer, that says we got the jazz on it and the fun little wobbly script. They have a little puppy dog that's fluffy and he's wearing the American Jazz Museum hoodie, it looks like. It's for the kids. We've got a couple keychains. Um, this is really cool. It's an LED lamp that is the outline of a man wearing a little bowler hat and leaning back and playing a saxophone and it glows red when you plug it in it looks like it says american jazz museum on it as well very cool and they have a couple little buttons um a pen that has a saxophone on the top oh an embroidered patch that says american jazz museum with a rainbow colored saxophone so lots of little Mm -hmm. gifty things in the uh, AJM exclusive section. Mm -hmm. There. Interesting. Now we actually went in, we, we only got partway through um, our uh, tour of the museum where we went through the kind of the rooms of the museum. Maybe we can go back there for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. We've got the time. Uh, Let me hop into the virtual tour here. Um, Let's see. I'm not, I don't know exactly what he got through. <laughs> Where we stopped last time. Mm-hmm. But I know that one of the things, when we actually didn't get too much into the modern, more modern jazz, we kind of stopped at the bebop era. Okay. And I'm really kind of interested in a little bit, hearing a little bit more about <clears throat> more modern jazz. Okay. Come from the 60s on through. Now I appear to be in a bar. there's a bar with a bunch of stools and little tables like four top tables with pictures of all kinds of jazz legends all over the wall so let me wander out of the bar here (laughs) appears to be fairly well stocked back there let's see see this is so much fun i love these kinds of tours where you can literally walk through and get a sense of that Okay, so now I think I'm walking down a hallway where there is different exhibits on the walls about different eras of music. For example, this section says, thinking in jazz. What I do is use the root of all this music, which is Africa and the rhythms of Africa, Randy Wetson. Do you know if you went through this part or Weston? Oh, we did not go through that part. Okay, let's check out this hallway a little bit. Okay. So this appears to be a hallway where you can walk along and there's different displays on the walls and you can sit down and put on headphones and there's buttons on the tables you can press different buttons to listen to different ah yes we I suppose recordings did you get through this okay <laughs> yep. yep and kind of learning to be a composer and and different elements of yeah there's a melody section a rhythm section yep, yep. we did look at those this Sorry. is very interesting that's okay i'm just kind of mm-hmm. walking through it see what that else would be so much fun just to move from one station to the next and yeah i genuinely like cannot that. wait to go to this museum in real life no <laughs> this and negro leagues at least both. a couple day trip between this one and the uh, baseball museum yeah absolutely oh, yeah <laughs> 
Got to get to Kansas City as soon as it's safe. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Kansas City has so many great museums. They have the World War One Museum. They've got a wonderful science museum. Um, just a great museum culture there. So spend a lot of time there going to museums. Mm, okay. And we are checking this out, folks. And uh, I love the fact that they have uh, playlists. If you are a Spotify subscriber they yes. have all kinds of playlists here for you to hook up with and listen to and um, if you have other music services I'm sure they have um, the equivalent but these are definitely easy to to plug into and we are not playing music on this particular podcast because we don't want to get into any royalty trouble with our friends <laughs> but <laughs> and I'm not sure if Ryan is out there to see if we have anybody on YouTube with any comments or questions. But if you would like to take advantage of our um, AAAM museum offer, you can go into the IRA app and you'll see apply a free offer on the home screen. You double tap that and you go into promotions and the AAAM offer is right at the top. And so when- So far Zoom and YouTube have both been very quiet Oh, today, hey, everybody's so. been quiet, whoa. It's Friday, Janine. <laughs> it is Friday, <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> I definitely know that feeling. But uh, now if you wonder, okay, well, what museum could I visit? I mean, I like jazz and that's great, but are there other museums? Mm -hmm. And there are. Um, there are a there is a list at blackmuseums.org slash directory. Now their website is under development right now, but you can get websites and names of museums from that particular directory and your agent can go and research those for you and you can take a look at them. So um, don't hesitate to visit there. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I am still kind of wandering around. I have to admit I have not played with this at all. Because you know Caleb had it oh, covered, no but <laughs> um, I found a little room that has different uh, like kiosk things in the middle of the room. For there's a Louis Armstrong one, there's a Duke Ellington one. Yeah, we did that one. We did that one too. Especially did that one because that's the era that I love. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, huh. Stephanie and I were geeking out over that one. <laughs> <laughs> that and the women in jazz, we were enjoying that too. Okay. Let's see. Here's another hallway. Let's see what's down here. I love this. I bet walking around those can oh, be pretty that's the fun. Same one. Just like to, to be able to like walk through the entire thing. I bet that's pretty surreal to be able to. I would imagine, yeah. And uh, we have this up on screen for those of you who may not know, for um, we have a number of sighted folks who tune into Afternoon at the Museum. Uh, if not now, they certainly do it when we uh, put the programs back up on our YouTube channel. And we will soon have an Afternoon at the Museum playlist. Right, Ryan? Absolutely. You can go through uh, a number of these. All the sighted people can see me wandering around this museum having no <laughs> idea where I'm going. <laughs> Did you guys talk about the John H. Baker film collection? We did not. Okay, here's a new part then. This is a pretty cool. Oh, wait, I clicked on it and turned me around. Hmm, let's see. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, technical difficulties. Where did it go? I tried to walk up to the wall and it spit me out somewhere that I don't know where I am no. now. Is it behind me now? Yeah, here it is. Okay. I was going to say, she's coming into another dimension. <laughs> <laughs> she, walks through, she can walk through walls. Look at that. 
<laughs> we can do a lot of things. We haven't quite gotten that down yet. <laughs> we know this. <laughs> okay. So if I try to walk up to the wall, it takes me away from it. I have figured this out officially. Okay. Let's see. Is it in here? Mm. Sorry, guys. No, no worries. We, we kind of put you on the spot here coming in here. But if I had known I was going to have to wander the museum, I would have practiced. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. No problem at all. This is, you know, this routine is, stuff. This hey, it's real-time agenting. <laughs> this is truly the fun part and as you all can can see and hear from julia's description there is just so much here that you could spend time taking a look at and uh, i know we certainly did a lot of this last time with caleb um you know, I don't know, Judy, if you can backtrack to the children's room because that looked like so much fun to me. I did see it just a moment ago. Um, let me just really quickly, I'm going to get at a description of this film room. I'm not going to be able to actually walk up to the wall and read okay. any of the detailed information, but it does appear that they have those John Baker films that I mentioned earlier when we were going through the exhibit. And in this room, there is a variety of screens and um, it looks like that you can actually interact with those screens to flip through different videos of performances, which is very cool. And then along the wall is a uh, visual that looks like a roll or like a reel of film. And in each of the little cells, there's a different photograph of a jazz performance. Oh, wow. So that would be a very cool room to get into, I think. And I imagine that those videos have sound as well. So for people who aren't sighted, you could interact with those and listen to the performances, which is very, very cool. I want to do an afternoon museum in person museum. That would be so much fun. Oh, I cannot yes. wait till we can start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Where'd the little kid room go? Let's see. I love museums that can take content as complicated as this and have a kid's area that really, you know, ties into the topic. Yeah. Yeah, it's really neat. It's nice to be able to take your kids to a museum and have something that will actually entertain them as a mother of young children, I would say. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I can see adults just getting totally absorbed in this one. Oh, yeah. I think even this this hallway where you sit down and listen to the different like compositional yeah. parts of jazz. I oh think you could spend God. an afternoon in there. And this would be so much fun. You could spend an afternoon at the museum. Just, yep. just in that know. hallway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that one would be fun to share audio. Hmm. I found the entrance where I can see the uh, National Negro League ah. Baseball Museum across the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we could do that, Janine, um, if we got permission. Oh, I bet um, we Which could. might be something that we could do. Um, I bet so. You know, because that would be kind of fun, I think, to, to kind of share that and to kind of mm -hmm. explore a little bit deeper into the into the museum. Because I think, like, you know, it, it really wraps it all together. You know, and I think that's one of the things being there. Um, and one thing that I really like about this museum is there's so many pictures and so many um descriptions but then there's also a lot of audio um mm -hmm. to listen to and so it really brings you back to that time and era um where you can be involved in it and i think that's one of the most greatest things about this museum oh yeah um, it will and for people who think ah you know jazz is okay but i don't really get it they give so much explanation of the musical you know uh, compositions of jazz and what it is what it may not be what it could be you know all of these things that are really um even if you know nothing about music you still say 
oh, wow, I get it now. Mm-hmm, absolutely. What I think what what I really like about this museum too is they really wrap life into the in into the into the jazz music as well. I mean, there's so many things that they brought uh, to the museum. Um, you know, we saw the dog tags. We saw you know everything that really just brings things together. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and also with the importance of that community in Kansas right. City. Yeah, and you know who knew? I mean. I don't know what I thought of because I always think of New Orleans when I think of jazz. You mm-hmm. know? And that's not necessarily the whole story. And it's either New Orleans or it's Harlem, you know, mm-hmm. and there's so much more than that. Yeah, Kansas City had its own style, the Kansas City Swing. So they have just as much claim to this kind of museum yeah. as like New Orleans does. And it's just I really cool. I love swing. I, I absolutely love that, that genre of music. Absolutely. So, big fun. Big fun. Well, I tell you what, Julia, um, why don't we call it a day at the Jazz Museum? This was totally awesome. And for those who want a a more in-depth look or a look at some specifics with an agent, you can absolutely do that. And I will tell you, get out my magical Braille calendar here. Oh, this is one of the last things I get to do. There's the Braille calendar. Yay. And it will be our next afternoon at the museum will be Friday, December 18th. And this is going to be a really fun one. Um, We'll probably pull in uh, both Caleb and Julia for this one. And we are going to take a look at the Paralympic. It's the grand finale of the year. Yes. Can you believe it? It's the grand finale. We'll have one more episode, but it's going to be a live uh, curator. And that'll be fun toward the end of the year. But this will be the last official museum we visit in 2020. Oh boy, do we have a lineup for you in 2021. We do. That <laughs> we do. And wait, if you are into these Black museums, just wait till Black History Month. We have got some awesome stuff coming for you. But uh, on the 18th, we will be talking with Paralympian Lex Gillette, who is an explorer, and we're going to be visiting the Paralympic Museum. So we're going to be learning about his experience with the Paralympics, with his journey, and with this particular museum, which uh, was a request from one of you all who watched the Afternoon at the Museum series. I know. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, that, we're going to uh, do that one. This that is going to really be so home. cool. I've heard some amazing things about the accessibility of this museum. So we are going to be planning that out for you and uh, talking to Lex and taking a look at the Paralympic experience. Because in 2021, of course, the Paralympics will be taking place right alongside the regular Olympics. So that's Mm -hmm. going to be quite exciting, I think, for everybody. And then... We are in talks. We're going to finish out the year with something very important, the Kwanzaa celebration. And Julia mentioned it here as something that they do at the Jazz Museum. Mm -hmm. Also, they've got programming, but we're going to learn about what Kwanzaa actually is and what are the tenets of the Kwanzaa celebration. And we'll have more information for you, uh, the exact program time of that particular program, but it's probably going to be a two-hour live presentation. So you will not want to miss that one as we are coming up on Kwanzaa, which is between Christmas and New Year's each year. So with that, Ryan, I want to thank you so much for your YouTube expertise. Thank you, Janine. It's always a pleasure to be here, and I'm so excited to get to explore these museums with everybody. It's such a pleasure, and 
you you learn something every time. It's it's so great, and I and I I love it. So thank you so much for having me, and happy to be here. Oh, absolutely! And Julia, our amazing agent, thank you so much for your patience in our tour here, and <laughs> really discovering some cool stuff. And and um, I think you know, showing everybody just how you can actually walk through this museum and see so much because there's a ton in there. Yeah, I echo everything Ryan just said. I love this series so much, and I'm happy to be here. And I miss Stephanie. Come back soon, Stephanie. I know. <laughs> You're going to have Stephanie back next time. We're going to prop her up if she's sick. That's okay. <laughs> 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 Stephanie, but we appreciate you being out there and cheering us on. So um, we will see you on December 18th at 4 o'clock p.m. This has been Janine Stanley with Ira and Afternoon at the Museum. This has been... Afternoon at the Museum from Ira, a description of life. For more information about Ira, visit www.ira.io.